to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. We're talking today with Astoria City Planner Barbara Fryer, and we're going to be talking about some new landslide mapping in the city of Astoria. Barbara, welcome. Thank you. So before we get into the mapping and what we're doing now, um, let's talk a little bit about history here. Astoria is a place where landslides are not scarce. That's correct. Thank you. Um, so most citizens living in Astoria know that the city is susceptible to landslides. The signs are everywhere from cracked foundations and roads and concrete front porches that move away from the foundation a few inches over decades. Landslides have occurred naturally throughout Astoria um, with the first landslide reported in the local newspaper in 1879. Over the next 70 years, there were over 34 landslides were reported, almost one every two years. Landslides occur naturally from heavy rainfall and seismic activity. Periodically, larger events have occurred, such as the three landslides in 1954 and 1955, the West Commercial Slide and slides at 27th and Irving, and 3rd and Alameda and the effects are still visible today. One of the more recent slides occurred in 2013, which reactivated the West Commercial Slide after many years of heavy rain. Human activity also plays a part. As Astoria developed, roads and homes were built in an already unstable landscape. Areas that are most affected show creeping ground movement and damage to buildings and roads. So how has the city mapped the slide areas? Beginning in 1974, the city used newspaper accounts to develop a map showing past landslides. In 2015, the city of Astoria received grant funding from the Department of Geology and Mineral Industries, or DOGAMI, a state agency, to update the existing city map. The map from 1974 was outdated and did not clearly show all recent slides and changes to the boundaries of existing known or documented landslides. More importantly, the city map did not include the Dogami, that state agency, landslide inventory, and the map didn't include um, the landslide susceptibility information that the, those scientists created. The map was accepted by city council but not adopted as a regulatory document. And what this information showed, this mapping information, is that more recent ground movement identified on the city maps are reactivations of larger historic landslides. The updated map includes an inventory of past slides and areas that are more susceptible to landslides. It also shows where areas are at low, moderate, or high susceptibility, in addition to whether a landslide might be shallow or deep. All of this information helps the city plan for future development while minimizing potential landslide damage to people and property. When we talk about landslides, we're talking about a scope of time that is broad. I mean, when we talk about historical landslides, we're talking about over a 50-year period, 100-year period or longer. And I think I saw the the, uh, the statistic that uh, Astoria, they've 
uh, they, them LIDAR mapping, and that's what yes. the State Department of Geology did. Yes. And that's something that enables you to kind of see through the foliage or whatever is there and actually really examine the ground and what it looks like. And exactly, exactly. So it's very similar to radar um, that shoots light pulses instead of radar pulses to the ground, to the earth, and then as they bounce up, they create the topography that we see in a map. The mapping is very accurate um, and can produce information that um, you can't see from an aerial photo. It includes information about past landslides, how, how um, expansive they might be, and how um, small they might be where the, the head of the landslide might be and where the um, foot of the landslide is. And those are things that we can't necessarily tell just by looking at the ground. Right. I think I saw uh, that we've had about 120 here that they could see all together and maybe more than 80 in the last 150 years. That's correct. That's correct. And people who lived here for a while are familiar with some of the more recent ones. You mentioned the one about Commercial Street. Uh, yes. actually came down to, to Bond Street. Um, and that's a place where I walk once in a while with my dogs, where, where that used to be. And I think it was in the 50s when that slid in a large way before. And the yes. city then wisely said, well, we're not going to let anybody build there anymore. Uh, because sure enough, you know, these not that many years later, 50-some years later, it slid again in, in pretty much the same way. I remember driving there, driving along commercial, because that was one of the streets we took to get home. And they were already talking about landslide. And all you could see was a little bump in the pavement. We thought, well, that's not much of a landslide. That's a little bump in the pavement. Well, of course, the next thing we know, the whole hillside is gone. Yes. And I walk up there sometimes, and it, it's really kind of sad because all you can see, they managed to move all the houses the first time around. I don't think they lost any houses because it was slow moving. Right. And they were able to get in there with the horses and so on and move them. But you go up there now, and, and what you see are retaining walls. You yes. know, all the homes had these little retaining walls, and, and uh, you know, when there's landslide, the futility of little retaining walls is, is pretty evident. And then recently, the one above Safeway, I think many people here still remember, and it kind of makes the point about why we need to do this, because that Safeway slide, uh, I shouldn't say Safeway slide, it has nothing to do with Safeway, but above that store, um, did, a, did a fair amount of damage, and also was disastrous for the person who owned the property where the toe was cut off the hill and, and sort of may have been the, what caused the slide. So liability, you know, where we should build, what we should build, and liability is a big part of this, is it not? It is, it is. Many jurisdictions, one of the reasons why we're doing this now is because many jurisdictions have reported to the Department of Land Conservation and Development and Dogami what they're doing for landslides. It's, it's not just a common, it's not just a problem here in Astoria, it's common throughout Oregon. And those two state agencies put together a land use guide, pulling from all these different jurisdictions the best available information. Mm -hmm. And so what they wanted to do was to prepare this guide for local jurisdictions so that they could minimize damage to property and lives where land use actions interface with high susceptible landslide areas. And so 
as you noted, um, down by the Safeway off of Marine Drive or Leif Erikson Drive, um, the, the cutting of the toe of the slope really created the landslide hazard. What we know today is there are much more, um, much more comprehensive ways to build in a landslide hazard area. And so one of the things that we would like to do as part of this effort is if you're in a medium or high susceptibility area, we would like to ask you to get an engineering geology report so that we can know more information, both you as a property owner and we as the city, about whether your activity is going to potentially trigger something that um, wouldn't be best for you, your neighbors, or the city. Uh, are the liner maps available for people to see? Because I know a lot of people want to say, well, I wonder if where my house is and all of this. Are those available somewhere? That's a great question. So there are three places that you can find them. The first one is the Dogami website, and the data is not um, as user-friendly as it could be on the Dogami website. So that's the Department of Geology, Minerals, and Industry, Dogami. The second place is Clatsop County has it on their website. And so if you look up your property on the Clatsop County website, you can choose it as one of the options. The third place is we're planning what's called a virtual open house. As you know, in today's COVID, um, restrictions, we don't want a whole bunch of people to come down and have a real open house. So we're going to have a virtual open house towards the middle to end of May. And in that open house, we will have those maps available so that you can search by your address, your site address, um, and find what kind of information we have available for you on your property. So what, what city staff is doing now is taking off from those LIDAR maps and trying to create what maps that show relative danger in different parts of the city and, and what restrictions we might have there? Correct, correct. And the virtual open house will have all of that information, including potential um, regulations that we would like your feedback on. Um, None of it is regulatory in the terms of saying, nope, sorry, you can't build. It's saying, gee, we need more information, um, both you and I, the, the applicant and the planner, so that we can adequately protect whatever it is that you're proposing to build. So that is really what we're trying to do, is to make sure that your design has Ge geologic information into that particular application so that when you um, build it, it can have the best available science that we know about today. Well, this obviously would affect developers, but in, in ways it would also affect homeowners when they wanted to make some kind of alteration. What, what kinds of things would be included that you'd have to have to get a, what, a geological study of? Right, right. So um, minor actions, we have a list of low risk activities, moderate risk activities, and high risk activities. And I'm going to use a deck as an example. 
I'm going to describe what a low risk activity using a deck would be. That would be just placing a deck out on your back area um, without putting in pilings. That could be just something on the surface. Um, the next level would be if you have to actually put pilings into the earth to um, stabilize your deck. If you have to do that, we want an engineering geology report to, to understand if where you're driving that pile down, it might or might not trigger a landslide. Then the third aspect is if you're putting in a hot tub on top of your patio, mm -hmm. that adds considerable weight. We're still discussing with geologists about what size hot tub, but if you're adding a substantial hot tub on top of a deck, that adds additional pressure on the earth and could cause a landslide. So we're trying to make sure that the the proposals that we have in place are based on the best available science. So there will be different levels of risk based on the history of that area and what the LIDAR shows. So you may be in a high risk area, medium risk, low risk. And the requirements for what you need to do then would be different based on where you are. Is that, is that correct, correct. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily, the activities cause the risk the where you are in the landscape tells you whether you are susceptible to a particular landslide or not. It could be shallow or deep, and your activities um, could trigger something in a shallow landslide that wouldn't trigger it in a deep landslide. And so that's why we kind of have um, varying degrees of requirements. It's not, it, obviously it's not simple, and you're depending on advice from geologists, from science, in order to develop this, I, I take it. Yes, yes. We have worked with, um, we've been working on this for almost 10 years now. There have been um, many different fingers in this particular um, body of work, um, from geologists to um, developers to um, engineers and planners and we've all been working together to come to a place where we can recommend something that is not too onerous but would protect um, and limit your liability and our liability in the case of a, a movement of the earth. So this has been underway for quite a long time and we're getting to the point now where we're getting close to ready to have this cool. adopted. That's correct, that's correct. So the process is that we're gonna have this open house where you can look at the maps, you can look at the proposed regulations. Um, they're not, I won't call them regulations, they're, they're requirements for reports. That's different than a, than a you cannot build. So I don't wanna say that you can't build anywhere because that's not what we're saying. We're Does saying, the city ever do that, say you can't build on this property? Is that something that... Some cities do in other jurisdictions. They have. They've said that, in, in fact, in Newport, um, Oregon, you cannot build on high susceptible landslide areas. Mm -hmm. um, but what we're saying is that we think that the science is there, that 
if a geology engineering geology report says that you need a geotechnical engineer to look at that and then then propose specific mitigation measures or design changes to your building or your deck or whatever you might be putting in that location, we think you can overcome that issue. And I think a lot of the super steep slopes here that we wouldn't think you'd build on the city owns a lot of those, I believe. That's correct. Because they are, they are unbuildable. That's correct. So the, so the process though, um, getting back to that, is that um, we're going to do the virtual open house. We have a series of questions that we want um, you all to think about as you look at the maps and as you consider how this might affect you. And we want you to respond to those questions. And we're going to compile all those questions and answers and go back to City Council in July at their July work session and talk to them about what did we hear, what did we learn from the public, and how might that change the proposal that we had um, when we first embarked on this. Um, following that, we will make some changes based on City Council direction and then um, assuming that the COVID-19 um, requirements for um, gathering are lifted at some point, we could then move into planning commission, work session, and hearings, and then city council adoption. So we're probably looking six months out, mm -hmm. but we need your input now coming in this next month so that um, we can better formulate our plans. Well, how can people do that? How can they how can they give you the information they have or the opinions they have? So the virtual open house will open, um, as I noted, either the second or the third, or the third or the fourth week in May, mm -hmm. and it'll be open for three weeks. And oh, so this is not just a one-time, one-night thing. This is something that stretches out to give people plenty of time to Correct. access it. Correct. When they are gone or when they work or okay. Exactly. And it and it also lets people who may not live here full time, it allows them to access the website as well so that they can do it at their leisure as well. So that we get the bro most broad look at the property owners that are in Astoria um, and their their resulting opinions. Are there uh, things that have surprised you in looking at those LiDAR maps? Have you? It has to be an interesting process as well as a difficult one to, to, to see what the story is like. And, and I've heard it said once that every hill or every mountain has a long-range goal of becoming flat ground. I think that's an accurate <laughs> statement. And um, in Astoria, many of the hills if not all of them, have some sort of a, a landslide potential on them. So it's trying to understand what that landslide potential is and then hopefully mitigate for that potential when we, when we add human activity. Well, any final thoughts that you would like people to know about, about this? Because I, after we finish with the final thoughts here, I want to ask you a little bit about you since you're fairly new to the city. But um, yeah, I just want, want everybody to think in terms of, um, we know that landslides are going to happen, that it's an inevitability, 
based on our slopes, our soil types, um, the fact that it rains a lot here and rain is one of the biggest causes of landslides. We also know that at some point we're going to have the Cascadia earthquake. At some point, it may not be in my lifetime or your lifetime, but at some point we're going to have that Cascadia subduction zone earthquake. So we want to work with you to reduce the potential for continued earth movement um, that's caused by human activity as best we can. We cannot necessarily control the natural features of, of life, um, but we can um, affect some change with regard to how we impact the earth. When Cascadia happens, things may slide that have never slid before, and because it will be such a, a large event, but, but we can focus on what we know, what has happened, what human activity has done, and, and, and deal with that. Exactly. Um, so, a lot of the value of doing this mapping uh, has to do with, with, really, with liability. When a slide happens, the, the, the person who owns the property that may have triggered the slide obviously face, faces some serious financial burden. So if you're building a deck and you don't know about this or don't follow this and you cause a slide in your neighborhood that damages your neighbor's property, that's a problem for you. Problem for the city too is the city usually gets named as a co-defendant in anything like this? Correct. So after we have these maps and these regulations are in place, how will that change? I mean, uh, will the city still be liable if a landowner doesn't follow the recommendations in the maps uh, as, a, as a party? Um, does that shift more responsibility to the person who's making that development? Um, um, from what I see, um, I would say that the liability would be shifted to the homeowner who does the activity outside of the regulatory framework. However, as is customary, the city typically is named in any lawsuit regardless of whether people were following our rules or not. So the hope is that we would not, the city would not be liable for that particular action because it's outside of the bounds of the regulatory framework that we've developed. Uh, kind of the joke around among people who own homes here is that um, everybody is told that their house is on bedrock. <laughs> 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 there may have been a slide over here, but your house is on bedrock. So as far as we know, all of our houses are on bedrock, which obviously is not true based, based on the maps. And it's interesting, we talked about that slide uh, above Commercial Street or on Commercial Street earlier. And in photos from 19, the 1950s, at the edge of the slide, there's this one lonesome house sitting at the top of the hill that wasn't affected, and the slide is right next to it. And so all these years later, when the slide happens again, if you look at photos, there's that one house sitting on the edge of it, not affected again. So uh, you just slides can be very particular about where they're going to happen, where they're not going to happen. And, the history of what's happened is really valuable for us. Definitely, definitely. And you'll see when you look at those maps um, where the course of, of landslides have happened. Mm -hmm. um, so even, even if you don't have benefit of the photographs, 
when you look at the LIDAR maps, you'll be able to see the flow of a particular landslide. Almost like a lava flow or something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, I want to know a little about you, Barbara. You are fairly new to the city of Astoria. You've been on, uh, with the planning department now for how long? I came mid-August, so mm -hmm. almost, what, eight months, nine months? And tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you came to be here. My background, I, um, I started out as a, um, a physician wannabe, mm -hmm. and I found I could not handle the sight of blood. <laughs> and so I was searching for something else, something that would trigger a need or an interest in me. And I happened into planning, and I have loved it ever since. I worked early on in my career on habitat conservation plans in Southern California, and then um, worked on three large interchange projects in the Coachella Valley. And um, those interchanges are in place today, and um, that just sparked my, my curiosity about all aspects of planning. And I have completed transportation system plans, I've worked on historic resources, I've worked on public involvement, I've worked on urban renewal districts, I've worked on environmental issues. So I've done quite a bit about planning, including land use planning and light rail planning. And so bringing all of that together here in one location has been really intriguing to me. And you throw in the coastal and um, Columbia River influences and it just makes it all that much more interesting. And you're also becoming more of an expert about geology in the course of doing this project. That's correct, that's correct. Well, Barbara, it's been a delight talking with you. Uh, thank you very much and also getting to know a little bit more about you. Uh, I'm glad you're with the planning department, uh, which is now getting up to full strength, which is a, a great thing. It'll make it a little easier for all of you. Yes, yes, indeed. So thanks very much. Well, you have been listening to The Human Beat. We've been talking with Astoria City Planner Barbara Fryer about some new maps that are being developed for the city of Astoria, uh, showing where landslides occur and how much of a danger that uh, your particular location is in terms of building new things and disturbing the soil. And those maps eventually will help uh, protect you from liability uh, should something happen, but uh, they also um, may cost a little bit when you're trying to do something that's uh, more, more ambitious that involves uh, uh, driving pilings into the ground or adding weight to the soil. So thanks for listening. This has been The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rogan.